You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 134, covering Dark Page and Attached. Friends, never has season seven seasoned so seven. <laughs> this was a pretty dire week, frankly. And honestly, it's going to get worse. No, don't tell me that. I just finished that last one. I, I keep saying it, and it keeps happening. An episode so bad that I actually yelled at it. I was there. I heard you. You yelled at it. We're getting into the to the part where we we can't stand to watch the episodes more than once. Like we typically watch them alone. Yep. And then we watch them together, and it's it's to the point now where it's like let's just do it the one time. Yeah. It'll be fine. Is there a way where we can just do all of season seven in one episode? Is that possible? Yeah, we'd have to really ruin a Saturday, but I, I bet we could do that. <laughs> like it would be the worst Saturday this show has ever seen until we get to Voyager. Ugh. Yeah. I just feel like with enough time with Memory Alpha. And no, no, no. We'd have to sit through the episodes. But oh, I'm saying no, it'd be like tearing a Band-Aid off. We could do it just, just once. Just Ugh. right off. Ugh. And then we could do a whole separate show for, for all good things because that one, you know. Yeah. Okay, now here's what we do. We do that. And we invite along all the guests that we had planned for the season. Mm -hmm. But we don't just get them on Skype. We get them, like, in a room. Right. And we all hang out and watch them together. That would be okay. I would be fine with that. That sounds awesome. That's what I'm saying. Then uh, then it could be much more bearable because we'd have a whole army of, like, look, it makes it a lot more bearable to watch them with you. Mm -hmm. But we, we we have sort of fallen into patterns and we do sort of react similarly. Having other people say other things would be nice. The opening credits this week was... Da, 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 da. <sighs> yeah, the, the last note of the opening little sting is, you know... Da, 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 da. <sighs> It's like that Kith sigh. <sighs> the boy, sir. You, Kith, you watch the episodes. Actually, you got the better of the two, and, and this time by choice. I, I wanted to do the bad one this yeah. week because I had a couple of things to say about it. But uh, why don't you tell us all about Dark Page? All right, I'll tell you all about Dark Page. Tell us all about it. All about it, about it. All right, so Luxwana's ba Troy's back on the Enterprise for one final go at Picard. I mean, one final helping out with some diplomats from the planet of the psychic cheap makeup owners. These cheap makeup owners communicate only through telepathy and are being considered for Federation membership or something. So Luxwana's along to help out and demand that Deanna get a husband. Business as usual. Less usual business is that Luxwana's also having frequent fainting spells and yelling at people binges, which is no good for anyone. Bever suggests that Luxwana's fainting is stressed or something and tells her to stop communicating psychically but as al pointed out to me nobody ever does what the t what the tv doctor says so eventually lox fall faints in a koi pond did you call her lox yep all right it's the beverly thing it's the bever thing all over again gotcha it's a long name to type out and i also don't really know how to spell it <laughs> well you don't have to oh no that's not true you do you do have to again yep. she'll be in ds9 sorry please continue her mother thoroughly comed. Dee decides to enter Luxwana's dreams using that dream-entering technology from last week. I mean, I assume that's how they do it. They wouldn't make the crew use entirely new going-into-dreams technology, would they? But, so then Tro Troy goes brain-diving, but Luxwana has way less interesting subconscious than Data does, so all that, ha all that happens is that Troy is chased by a wolf and then told that her father loves her. This is seriously lacking in the straw in Riker's head department, if you ask me. So anyway, Luxwana kicks Dee out of her head, and then Dee goes digging around in her mother's suitcases, and then goes back into her mother's dreams. This time, she tames the wolf by playing the traditional song of da 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 and then Luxwana shows up and tells Dee that Dee had a sister who jumped into the river and drowned back when Dee was a useless fat baby. So talking about her dead gay son teaches Luxwana something, and at least stops her from passing out all the damn time, so hooray for everything. Well, now I'm just thinking about the Peter and the Wolf home fill record. That, uh, <laughs> no, the uh, the Peter and the Wolf record that I have that's uh, narrated by Patrick Stewart. Oh, that's not, that's not too bad. Let's do that instead. One day, Peter went out into the woods. Let's uh, just review that. <laughs> uh, and his grandfather was like this. Do, 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 yep. do. And then the wolf came. Dun, da, 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 dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Man, I like Peter and the Wolf. Also, at the end, it turns out the duck gets eaten. So that's cool. <laughs> Unless you're watching the Disney version, and then nobody eats the duck. But this time, the duck got eaten. Right. 
D was a fat baby also. <laughs> you did accurately point out that, wow, what a, what a little butterball. Yep. She appears to be wearing the same purple outfit that they had her wearing for the first, like, four seasons of the show, too. <laughs> Once D finds something she likes, she tends to stick with it. Well, that's good. That means she'll be in a uniform for, for now until forever. Yep. Finally. Took a while. Except when it's casual Friday, then she goes back to her uh, her pink thing. Bizcas fry. You see her wearing it in the bar. Right. See, I would I would assume she's got all those like um, t-shirts that she buys, you know, for the ten dollars sale. Mm-hmm. You know, like like I Armis uh, <laughs> Counselor Troy. That's a good one. <laughs> Actually, that 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 idea shouldn't that be that be like a, a t-shirt with camouflage that says "Property of United States Armis." <laughs> that's also good i was just thinking that there should be a post-atomic horror shirt that says i armis and then our logo <laughs> instead of the heart you'd have a melty guy there i like that michelle <laughs> get on that 50 percent profits yep um yeah i don't really want to talk about these episodes I'd not so much just, uh, this I, I mean of the two fine. of them this one this one had it had decent moments it did. Let's it had Luxana, who I always like seeing. Yes, absolutely. Well, uh, uh, what what specifically was your good thing? All right. So, see, there are scenes in this where uh, Troy and Luxana are watching Kestra. By the way, Lock, uh, Troy's sister's name is Kestra Troy, which I thought was the name of Nick Cage in uh, Face Off, but apparently uh, not. Excuse me. You'll find it's Face Slash Off. Oh, uh, pardon me, all the hell. <laughs> because because you see his face was slashed off. Oh, that's why that was right. Oh, that makes yeah. sense. That makes it a good movie. Yeah, and the fact that his name was Kestrel Troy. Yep. Was it named... Wait, wait, wait Kestrel... No, Kestrel is an English bird. Yeah, but it wasn't Kestrel. It's Kestra. I looked right. it up. I know. They took the L off. They stole it. It was right. stolen by... It was stolen by... John by John Travolta's character, <laughs> whose face was also slashed off. Ah. Uh. This is how you can tell that they're great episodes when we don't talk when about When we're talking about face-off? <laughs> we're talking about John Woo's most embarrassing moment. Oh, my God. All right. Seriously, though, good thing. There were good things to oh, talk yeah. about. So when Troy and Luxwana watch Kestra drown and Luxwana t- cries over it, it's really a well-done scene. It's kind of yeah, moving. Yeah. I like Luxwana. I don't want her feeling bad. I like her better when she's the sort of goofy older lady who... Who does things. <laughs> Who does things. Making her look like a person makes me sad, which is well, good and, for the episode. And that actually goes into my good thing, which is we've talked about this before, too, how we like part of the thing we like about Luxana is that there is that layer of tragedy on Yeah. Her. It's the, like that the that episode where with the dude that gets killed because he has to get killed. Yeah, with Timison. Uh, uh, yeah, that one. He's that 60 one. and he has to die. And I yeah. can't remember. I want to call it quality of life, but it wasn't quality of half a life. Yeah, there you go. Yes, uh, Charles Emerson Winchester III played him. Yeah, See, I remember of... things. <laughs> I just don't remember much about what we just saw. Yeah, no, it... she she's totally got that extra layer of sadness that makes you realize half of her boisterousness is an act. Yeah, and that she's just trying to cover up for the fact that she's horrible, you know, horribly tragic and and just lonely. Yeah, lonely as hell. And it's it's really it's really a nice scene, you know. Yeah, I, but I mean overall. My initially going into this, my memory was, oh, good. Here's a thing we've never, like, never mentioned before. We'll never mention again. I generally don't like, here's suddenly this huge, big part of someone's life that no one's ever talked about before. But it makes sense she wouldn't bring this up. Mm -hmm. And it makes sense that this is sort of part of her underlying tragedy. Between this and then losing her husband, however, he died. I don't know if we ever knew that. No, I still still don't know if they've told us. Yeah. And they probably won't at this point. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, because it's not like Odo's going to ask. Right. And I don't think Troy's really got a lot more to do this season. I think she's already uh, gotten her episodes out of the way early. Yeah. I could be wrong about that. But um, no, there's the one where she takes her command test. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But I doubt it'll come up in that. No, this is more the season of Bever. <sighs> well, in any case, I I feel like some things happen to her. Like she's just, she's this big, like she really is the way she acts. Yeah. She's got all this, you know, it sounds like a horrible cliche, but really, she's got all this love to give, mm-hmm. and there's no one around to receive it, and she just is sad. Yep. And that makes she me sh- sad. She should try being nicer to Mr. Hom. He wasn't even here this time. No, uh, apper- like, I was reading, apparently they wanted him, but uh, 
but uh, he couldn't make it or something. That's weird. 93 uh, Twin Peaks would have been done by this point. Yeah, the those are the only busy. two things he can do. Oh, no, no, no. He would have been playing Lurch in the Addams Family movies at this point. Ah, okay. So he's probably a big movie star now. That makes sense. Too important. So that yeah, is that Lurch role? That's gonna that's gonna last you forever. Well, it lasted him for what two? I assume they did the two with the full cast, and then the third with nobody from the original movie. Yeah. Right? They always did that. I didn't even know that about the Adams Family. I just assumed because that's how it all. No, goes. it's true. By uh, Adams Family reunion, they had to. Uh, what's his face was uh, Raul Julie. Well, Raul Julie was dead by that point. Right. He had, but they he had singled his last doppel. <laughs> But he was uh, he was Tim Curry by that point. That's not a bad substitution, all things considered. You would think, wouldn't you? Yes. I mean, if it's a terrible script, you can't really help that. No. But, but acting-wise, that's not a bad substitution. It's not substitution. a bad Gomez. Yeah. After When we finish up Star Trek, we're going to do an Adam's Family podcast. I don't think that we are. <laughs> you keep volunteering us for these things. <laughs> I know exactly what we're doing, and it's uh, we're not going to make it through Voyager is what's going to happen. Yep. Because Voyager is all like Season 7 of Next Gen. It's all going inside people's heads, which is my bad thing, incidentally. Oh, yeah. Going inside people's heads. I talked about this in the original series when they did it. I've talked about it. I probably talked about it in the animated series when they did it. I'm talking about it now. I don't like it. I think it's pseudo-science fiction at best. It feels more like magic than science fiction to yep. me. Like, the mind is not... I mean, of course it's science. Of course, it's it's chemicals and impulses and all that stuff. But we don't know how it works. And so the way it's represented in science fiction is pretty much like magic. Mm-hmm. And I don't like that. In science fiction, I like there to be rules. I like there to be structure. That's, to me, what I like about science fiction is it's similar to magic, except everything has to follow very specific rules, and you know how things are going to turn out, and you lose all that stuff with the mind stuff, and I don't care for that. Yeah. Plus, we just did it. Yeah, we literally just did it last week. Yeah, it may have been two weeks ago. Was it two episodes No, it ago? was last. No, it, it was last week, because the, the other one was the second part of the two-parter. That's right. Yeah. Like, wow. what the hell, really? Two episodes in a row. Oh, and we kind of do it again in in the following episode. Yeah, two a little characters bit. Are, two characters are connected by the mind. Yeah. So more mind stuff. It's, this is the Braga influence, I'm pretty sure. He loves that mind and dream stuff. The mind. And as you pointed out, Luxana's mind looks like the Enterprise. Yeah, now, I, I, I understand why that happened with uh, with Data and Phantasms. Sure. he lives there. Yeah. That's where he's like. From. That's where he spends almost all of his time. Mm -hmm. But Loxana shows up on the Enterprise once a year. Yep, if that. Her daughter lives there. Yeah, it's but she's not got other like, places to be. Yeah, it's like it's not a place she's going to spend all of her time, and it's not you know that shouldn't be how her brain represents. Uh, no, your subconscious. I am you know my my understanding of it is that it it represents things with with symbols from your life and. Mm -hmm. That's why most of us dream about a house you grew up in because that's sort of the place that imprints in your head as far as, you know, where you live. Yeah. You can move, but your brain always thinks of that place as where you actually live. You know, mm -hmm. it's that kind of thing. And, yeah, she wouldn't think of the Enterprise like that. It's It, it feels like they were just trying to do another cheap bottle show. They It really does. And it, it really showed. Like, it's just, it's not a good – and, like, the scene when, um, when we get to the flashback where uh, – Kester, where Kester Troy drowns. <laughs> right. Um, then it's set back in the Arboretum with the uh, Koi Pond again. Right. And the, and the whole thing is that uh, this uh, this ambassador's uh, daughter mm -hmm. uh, reminds her of Kester. That's where this is all starting. Between that and the pressure of the way that they, they use telepathy, which is through images instead of through words, uh -huh. it's much more of a strain on her brain. And so the combination of seeing a little girl reminding her of her little girl... And then oh, a little girl who falls into a into a koi pond. Well, that's what I was about to say. Yeah, those two things are already already make it a little strenuous on her. But then, yeah, playing in the arboretum and she falls into a, a pond. It just it freaks her the fuck out. Mm -hmm. Which I, I completely that all makes total sense to me. But yeah, when she's going back in her head, she should see where it actually happened and not you know yeah not in the arboretum. I was that's just uh, sloppy. Yeah, come on, come on. Hmm. I was actually reading. Uh, there was an interview with Jerry with her Jerry Jerry Taylor. Hmm. Uh, they're talking about how uh, let's see here. Dark Page had been around a long, long time and had under, undergone many premuta premutations. It was supposed to be originally with Crusher, and then they went through every uh. possible combination of people on the Enterprise. And it wasn't until they hit upon Troy and Mrs. Troy that it really seemed to work. And it was a long time before they figured out what the secret was that was hurting Mrs. Troy. Now, what I gather from that is... What's left of that story if those are the things that kept changing? But see, the other thing is, like, 
that like it looks like they did that episode last week. Yeah. Like that's exactly the it's exactly the same thing. What the data one you mean? Yeah. I guess I could kind of see that. Like if they're going through everyone on the ship just like, "Well, who can we do a thing where we t- where they have a dark secret with dreams?" That they wasn't ch- exactly a dark secret. It's close enough. I suppose. Plus they don't fair. pick the like they didn't even decide on the secret until like they had already decided to use uh, Luxwana and Deanna. See, and this is the thing I've been talking about all along with uh, late the, these later seasons, because they did some of this in six as well. When there's a story that could literally apply to any other character, yep. why tell it? Yeah. Like, the whole point is we are invested in these characters. We know who they all are. We like them all. We want to see something specific to Picard, specifically to, to, to Troy. You know, we want to see things that flesh out these guys we already know and not just something you could adapt to any character. That doesn't really work. Yeah. That's why we really didn't like that Geordi episode, because it could have been an anybody episode. Mm-hmm. And I, I think we had uh, determined from Memory Alpha or whatever that that was going to be a Riker episode. So that's, yeah. that, that sort of backed us up on that. And again, I felt like this could have only been a, a Luxana episode, and it's weird that that it started as anything else. Yeah, I know. It was... Because it seems to me like a big part of this was the psychic connection between the mother and daughter, and you couldn't really have that in any... Like, there's no other combination of characters that have anything like that. No. So... I'll have Jordy go into Worf. <laughs> How about that? Well, you just you just wrote some slash there is what you did. There's a lot of honor in here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and here's his uh, statue of Collis. <laughs> Very nice. And here's the place where he buried Alexander. <laughs> He's not the first Alexander. He's on vacation. When he went to the uh, to the to the uh, monastery at uh, what is it Borath, they, he he got the secret of uh, Kalis cloning. <laughs> and he keeps cloning Alexander's whenever he accidentally kills. Yep. He's, he's like he's like a venture kid. <laughs> Your very own clones to play with and tell you how cool you are. <laughs> You'll love it. Thank you, Father. Go, team. Oh, I'm alone. (laughs) I have nothing. You have clones. Yay! (laughs) You have honor. So, tell me your bad thing. All right. Where'd my bad thing go? Oh. So, the psychic dude from the psychic dude planet Mm -hmm. is the latest in a long line of (laughs) completely ridiculous people in stupid costumes. (laughs) Now, I'm sure he had lots of interesting things to say about whatever the fuck he was talking about throughout the entirety of the episode, but it was impossible for me to even look at him because he was a completely re- he, because he looked completely fucking stupid. Okay, please please to be describing the look of these aliens to, Where to, to the folks. Where to start? So the standard shitty makeup job on these guys. Let's start there. Yeah. Is sort of a weird cancerous lump. On both sides of the head, just above the ears. What, what it is, it looks like it looks like their brains are sticking out. Yeah, kind of. And then, then there's no hair growing over them. Like um, the temples just have sort of brains oozing out of them. Now, in addition to that, this dude was a big, gangly-looking motherfucker mm. with, I want to say vanilla ice hair. I'm not sure if that's quite right or not. No, but it was definitely sort of early 90s, like, big sort of bouffanty kind of... Uh... Like, his hair made him look like he had a Frankenstein head. Yeah. Just big and square. Yep. He also wore, like, this weird blue jacket that reminded me, first off, of the th- of the leather jacket Michael Jackson wears in Thriller. Mm. Now, Just the blue version of it. Yes. Now, the combination of all of that and his stupid face... <laughs> Made well, and, just... then, and then and then there's the fact that necessary to the characters, the fact that they communicate entirely through telepathy. They're only just learning how to verbalize. Yep. And which... so the actor had to search for his words, which I, acting wise, I understand because mm-hmm. he doesn't speak, and and it's a new thing to him. But it it added to to the goofiness for you, I think. But it also resulted in conversations that. Oh yeah. Took fifty fucking years. It it yeah. It really to, dragged things out. What is word? Finish. <laughs> but that made him goofier on top of every oh all the all, the all the physical stuff. I think for you, just fucking ridiculous. Yeah. Um. 
That's just, that's what you got to look like every day, huh? Wow. That's rough. <laughs> what is, sorry about your everything. Is that what you said? <laughs> yes. So, so you got him. Um, and, you know, he's played by your standard typical, like, uh, tall, brown-haired, Ken doll-looking yeah. whatever guy. That was a but, real Ken doll vibe coming off of that dude. Yeah, which I always think looks like Peter North. Yeah. If, if you know uh, if you know early 90s porn stars like I do. <laughs> I'm afraid I do not, but I'll take your word for it. There were only five guys working in porn in 1993, Matt. Oh. So it's pretty easy to know them because there, there weren't that many of them. And, and, they all had, and their last names were all directions. Yep. Well, there was Randy West. There was Peter North. Uh, Ron Jeremy, little little known fact, uh, Jeremy actually means up. Right. In uh, Swahili. Yep. And, and as course, fuck Wittershins. As, as fuck Wittershins. <laughs> as fuck was his given name, actually. He was kind of pushed into porn through uh, through Destiny. Mm-hmm. As opposed to, uh, you know, choosing the life. The life sort of chose <laughs> Destiny him. was also in porn, by the way. Right. But that was a woman, and there were a lot of women. Oh, sure. Uh, ooh, I was just trying to transition to talking to a little girl, and we're talking about porn stars. That's a little creepy. Bail, bail. <laughs> the dude, the dude was there, and then the little girl that reminded uh, Loxana of of her dead kestrel was also there. <laughs> and um, the little girl was played by uh, Kirsten Dunst. Yep, well known Spider Man hater, Kirsten Dunst. I, I know you're not a big fan because of that. I think she's adorable, and I think she had a couple of pre- particularly adorable moments in this episode. Oh, she's fine in this. She gives this, like, when she falls in the water and she stands up, she's got this smile. Yep. That is just the cutest thing. Even if you just loathe kids, which I I have a reputation of disliking kids. I do not. Mm. Now that they're not outside my window in a bouncy castle, (laughs) I Ruining your podcasts. Yeah. Now it's airplanes, I hate. Yes. You can probably hear that one right now. You hate when airplanes are in bouncy castles outside of your house. They're they're always airlifting bouncy castles. (laughs) They want to see how far they can bounce from from the height of an airplane uh, to my backyard and then back up again. It's kind of cool, but mm. uh, kind of distracting. Um, but no, she she gives this little smile that is just the most adorable sort of heart melting thing, and I think yep. that helps the tragedy later when you just see how adorable this little girl is and and what Luxana must be thinking, and uh, you know, I wish yeah. I had an adorable little girl. Oh wait, uh, I used to. <sighs> I'm actually, I guess it would have been a little too dark for this show to uh, for her to have had some residual blaming of Deanna. Yeah. Because it could very easily have been I looked away because I had to take care of the baby, and when I looked back, she was dead. Yep. Like, that, I've seen that basic story play out before, and, mm. you know, it's not on purpose, and it's not like a a conscious thing, but it's a total, if I didn't have to take care of you, my daughter would still be alive. Yeah. And I'm kind of surprised they didn't do just a, a hint of that, even. I'm kind of, I'm glad about that. Yeah, me too. Uh, speaking of Deanna, when, when she walks into 10 Forward the first time. Mm-hmm. She appears to be wearing. I don't know what the cut of it is. Quite impressive. Like you know, looks looks good on her. Very flattering. It, it, no, it looks great on her. It's a nice looking dress. But the color appears to be. I described it as one of those Hot Wheels cars that you put underwater and it turns hot pink. Yep, that's about what it looked like to me. You said that it's just like yup, because it was sort of yeah, blue fading into pink. Kind of. You ever have that thing where like something's nagging at your at your brain and you just it looks like something and you can't for the life of you figure out what it well, is? Because it's very hard to make the cognitive leap from toy car to something Marina Sirtis is wearing on a TV show. They're not exactly the same. No, except for that one episode where she wore that toy car. That was a weird one. Yeah, the Hot Wheels incident. Yeah, they let her keep that. By the way, I've seen her wear it at cons. Oh, very nice. Does yeah. she still fit in it? Yes. Wow, that's good. Mm-hmm. Not, good not for a her. Lot of people can. Uh, can still squeeze into the same matchbook that they could squeeze into 20 years ago. That's, that's pretty impressive. <laughs> I knew there was another one. Oh, and the little girl's name was Hedrill. Okay. Head, Hedrill. Hedrill. To to call attention to their horrible head ridges, she was called Hedrill. <laughs> Just so you know. Hedrill and the Angry Inch. Yes. I like that you only have two notes here. One is, is something you misheard. <laughs> And the other is, I cannot deal with this idiot. <laughs> I stand by that. I could, I could not and continue to cannot deal with that idiot. Well, let's push forward then, unless you have any further business about Dark Page. Uh, no, I think that's everything. I would say 50-50 on this one. I would say there's yeah. a lot of good, there's a lot of bad overall. It's it, like it's not average in that boring way where like I thought Gambit was average. It's yeah. average in that way where there's some really stupid shit and some really good shit yeah. sort of fighting against each other. If I I would say I would I enjoyed this more than I didn't enjoy it, but it was close. We had fun making fun of it because there was some things to make fun of. That's for yep. damn sure. Like the wolf. 
Oh, yeah, I forgot about the wolf. Which, you know. The I wolf that... I didn't, because we just did a whole riff on Peter and the wolf a minute ago. <laughs> the wolf that chases Deanna, which is a hilarious scene, by the way. Yes, that may be our cover art. <laughs> I, uh, I, was, I was trying to make some dire wolf references, because I'm catching up on my Game of Thrones, and I realize you don't know that show, and nope. maybe half our listeners don't either, so... Uh... I'll just I'll just go ahead and skip that. You wouldn't do that, incidentally. You'd just go ahead and make the references anyway. Yeah, I'll assume someone gets it. Yeah. No, you won't care. You'll just do them for you. Yeah. Like All I right. do everything. Right. Let's move on to attached. How about that? All right. Actually, before that, let's uh, let's hear you uh, give us a quote. Oh yeah, uh, I had a hard time picking a quote. Um, it was either between this or uh, Laxana weeping at the end which i just couldn't i couldn't deal with so no you went with the funnier one here's the fun line aren't you going to mingle mr wolf i do not care for telepaths they make me uneasy <laughs> don't worry the karen couldn't read your thoughts even if they wanted to your brain isn't sophisticated enough neither is yours dear they could only communicate with other telepaths. There's a, there's a, that's another one of those we wish we could do a visual thing because there's a great moment where Worf opens his mouth, where he's about to correct her. My, yep. my name isn't, uh, you know what? Forget it. Yeah. You know what? Life's too short. It's been, it's been six years since I've been uh, head of security, and this woman's come here, and I've had to deal with her, and I, she's not going to get, she didn't get it then, she's never going to get it. Fuck it. Hell with it. Yeah, but also not only that, the look on Riker's face. Oh my god, that was awesome. Yeah, I forgot. I completely forgot about that. That was no, the that's best, half of what made that funny. That was the best Riker expression I have ever seen in seven years of TNG. It was the most exaggerated. You take your typical Riker smile, mm -hmm. your big bug-eyed Riker charming smile, and you put an exclamation point on it somehow. Yep. That's what that was. It was fantastic. Incidentally, I don't know if you can hear that. There's some uh, fireworks going off right now. Oh, is that what that is? We're recording this on the uh, the fourth of July. Of course, oh, yeah, we're recording this on the fourth of July at about noon, and it's it's. Uh, that's it's, when you really. That's when you can out. really enjoy fireworks, right? Well, it's it's crummy out is the thing. It's all cloudy, so it's like you can't even see them. Nope. You're just doing it for the noise, basically. Yep. You're doing it deliberately to ruin a podcast. <laughs> that's the, the only fuck, reason. Man? Yeah, I'm, I don't know. I bet it's the airplanes. Probably. Probably part of the Bouncy Castle initiative. Assholes. All right. Now I'm going to tell you about Attached. All right. Or Attached. Or uh, trying to think of other ways to say it to stall. Attached. Attached. Here we go. So the Enterprise has arrived at planet Kespril. That's not Kestrel, by the way. That's Kespril. Mm. Where half the planet, the Kess, wants to be friends. And the other half, the Prill, wants them to fuck off. So naturally, while Picard and Bever beam down to have diplomatic talks with one side, they're captured by the other side and thrown into prison in a cave. It's all right, though, because agents from the other side are helping them. They serve up a piping hot tricorder in lieu of their prison meal, and after Bever tries to eat it unsuccessfully, <laughs> Picard makes her realize they can escape since all the cheat codes have been loaded into the thing. What follows is a sitcom episode in which two characters have been handcuffed together, only with a Star Trek twist. Instead, they can hear each other's thoughts. It's a little cute occasionally, but mostly they just spend the time finishing each other's sandwiches. Then we get the bombshell. No, it's not about this stupid planet that nobody's ever heard of and will never hear about again. It's about Picard and his feelings for Bever. You know, the feelings he's had for six years that, while they've been hidden from her and even himself, have been obvious to us, the audience, all this time. Now, though, despite using his tremendous willpower to hold an insane Vulcan's mind together, despite actually resisting assimilation by the Borg, somehow he let his little crush on Crusher... Oh, God, that wasn't intentional. Slipped through the stupid, pointless psychic connection, and the secret is out. Yep, he sure did think he was keen on her 20 years ago. Wait, what? 20 years ago? Like when Jack Crusher was still alive? Well, that's fine, then. Who cares? Meanwhile, upstairs, Riker diplomatically bitch-slaps the aliens until they work together and get his guys back. Then Picard and the Doctor have a romantic dinner where we think they might try to do something with these obvious feelings that have always been here all along, and she kisses him on the cheek and bids him goodnight. Remember when we used to do alternate titles for the episodes? I'd have called this one the Blue Balls Initiative. Poor JLP. Aw. I would have called it Arg Shut Up. <laughs> oh, that that one could apply to so many. That, that's, the, <laughs> that's the eye of the beholder of, of Next Gen. You can't really uh, fairly use that. It, but really, at the, that's the only emotion that I felt. Was I felt genuinely bad for him at the end when she walks away. Yep. Kisses his cheek. Says, yep, we sure do have feelings for each other. Bye. 
and you see him alone in his quarters. Like, well, I obviously know what's going to happen next. <laughs> we see him blow out a candle, but then they, they cut away. I know mm. what happens after that. We, we all know what happens after that. I assume this is revenge for when that, uh, that clone of Picard came on the ship and danced with her and stuff. Oh, God, that was like season three or something. Yeah, though, wasn't d- it? fuck it. Bever carries a grudge, man. Maybe five at the latest, but yeah, yeah. it's been a while. Yeah, I, I get. I don't know. Okay, li- really, let's let's talk about this. Let's just completely talk about this. All right. Go ahead and, and say your bad thing because this is a discussion I think that's going to take up most of this. Uh... All right. So, my bad thing is this romantic bullshit out of fucking nowhere. Yep. They finally get back to this subplot after six years, and it is too little, too fucking late. Okay. So let's talk about it. What, what do you remember about season one? It's been a while. Season one. It's, it has been it's a while. It's been like um, two years. Mostly. For us. I remember a lot of Picard being kind of not... Well, I mean, he's certainly not the character we know now. No, not at all. He's kind of a jerk. Yep. Very distant. Very standoffish. Um, But but what do you specifically remember about this? They did... They very, very, very occasionally sort of brought back the whole Bever and Picard have kind of a like... I mean, they've got a past, obviously. See, what I remember are two things. I remember from Farpoint... The awkwardness of he's the one who brought my father's body home. Yep. There was no actual romantic anything there so much as, oh, we have a past and this is a little weird. Yep. And then there was uh, Naked Now. Yep. When we get the uh, the famous Picard. <laughs> right. And that's all I remember. There might be other things that I'm forgetting, but it, it, it doesn't stick out in Didn't my head. That's for something damn sure. po- also happen in uh, Picard and Bever fall in a hole? Mm, I I don't remember there being any romantic tension there. You may be right, but I don't. It, it didn't. I feel like that was the other big one. And I mean, like it, it's been forever, so okay, I, I so could let, be wrong. But let's say that there was. Yeah, that's three times. Oh, I don't even count the pilot one. That yeah. just tells you who they are. Yeah. But okay, let's let's benefit of the doubt. Three times they acknowledge it in season one, which is being yeah. generous. She obviously she was a big quitter, or they fired her, or whatever in season two. Mm-hmm. When she comes back, do they even mention it again ever? No, that's the thing. After that, they really sort of do away with that, and then they mostly focus on her as a mother until Wesley leaves. Yeah, but Wesley's been gone for two seasons. I mean, yeah. he went away and killed a guy. Well, after he after he went away and killed the guy, then we sort of get into the uh, then we really get into the Picard and Crusher as friends thing. Then we start seeing them doing yeah, like their morning tea thing, which breakfast they, they together. Talk about here. She's the one that he bounces like you know his non captainy ideas off of. Right, they're friends, which is nice. They're old yeah. friends, which they established from day one. Yeah, that so, makes sense. Like, they're, yeah. they should be, you know? Yeah. She was his best friend's wife. Right. And so, and now... We get into this weird, like, oh, Jean-Luc, I never knew you had feelings for me. But the way it comes up is she's talking about some old thing that happened, and she said, and me and Jack, mm-hmm. wait a minute, what was that? And it turns out that he has this resentment from a million years ago. Mm-hmm. About Jack, about, oh, you guys were a couple and I wanted you. But mm-hmm. he even said, I don't know. I don't think I could separate my hormones from my emotions. Like, yeah. He basically makes it sound like, well, I wanted to fuck you, of course. I mean, I mean look at you now. Now imagine you 20 years yeah, younger. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I can't really blame him. No. I mean, look at her now and imagine her 20 years younger. Uh, yeah, I'm working on that right now. <laughs> well, please don't. <laughs> please don't do what we imagined Picard doing after the episode ended. Yeah. Not while we're recording, honey. Um, they, there's, it's never been there before. And, and what he basically says is, yes, that was a long time ago, but now we're friends. And she says, yes, we're friends. And mm-hmm. it didn't feel like there was any extra unstated anything there. It was, yes, we are now friends. But then at the end, they bring this up again. Yeah. And it's like, where did that come from? It's weird. And it, it, it really feels like, well, it's season seven. We probably ought to deal with this at some point. But there's nothing to deal with. No, and I felt the same way about the whole Scully Mulder thing, honestly. Oh, don't even... I know, and you're way more into that show than I am. I was a casual fan at best. I fucking hate that shit. But that's the best example of this. You have two characters, a male Mm -hmm. and a female, who have some kind of chemistry. Yeah. And I'm I'm really stretching that word here because he's doing all the work in this chemistry. Mm Mm-hmm. She she has none. Nope. But and and you say okay, well they must be romantically involved. No, no. Sometimes there's just chemistry. Yeah. That's here's it. the here's the thing. There's this it's this thing on TV where you cannot have a, a like a man and a woman who are just friends. It's impossible. 
right? Now like I wonder. The, I wonder. The only going show forward, that's ever done that was Seinfeld, and even they had sex together sometimes. Yeah. I wonder going forward as uh, gay relationships become more acceptable on TV shows, if that's going to start happening with just everyone. Mm-hmm. Like, well, these two characters are close together all the time. They that's must already have sex happening. At some point. Thanks, Tumblr. Oh, well, yeah, that doesn't count. <laughs> See, that's people like I think when this kind of thing happens, it's when the crazy fans who want it to happen, the the tumblers of 1993. Right. The uh, which would have been and stuff like that. What's yeah. up? The bulletin boards. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was actually on uh, what was uh, it was an AOL uh, Trek chat room at this mm. point. But uh, yeah, near the end of next gen. And um, yeah, there was a lot of that. There was a lot of fanfic being written and stuff like that. And this feels like the producers caving to that. Oh, well, this is what the fans want. No, this yeah. is what a small portion of the fans want. A, a small but very vocal portion of the fans. Right. Who... Exact same thing with X-Files. Yeah. You've and... worked my dander up on that, by the way. Well... This is how much it bugged me at the time. Yeah. It really did. Although, that said, in uh, in the finale, when we jump ahead 25 years in the future and they're married, that doesn't bother me. Or they're married and divorced. No. Nope. That doesn't bother me at all. Mostly, partially because it ends up being a fake future. Yeah. But partially because, I don't know, because it's already over. Because yeah. we don't see their courtship, which just seems like the most implausible thing in the world to me. Yeah. That's probably what it is. It's weird because, like... In a lot of the books, they're like in the book continuity now. They're they're uh, they're married, mm -hmm. and it's like a lot of the books I like the books I read. It doesn't tend to come up very often, right? And when it does, it feels weird and awkward. Well, I imagine because they're trying to keep a continuity. When you're writing a Trek book, you're probably not even thinking about it, and then someone says, "Don't forget, she yeah. misses." Oh Pressure yeah, Picard. make sure to put oh. that in. Ugh, fine. And that's, you know, that's the thing about writing, I'm sure, comics now, too. It's like mm -hmm. you have a great story and you have to acknowledge a thing that's happening that has nothing to do with you. Yeah. Don't forget Batman's not around this month, so. Oh, shit. Well, my story had Batman in it. Yeah, I now guess. Now what do I do? Fuck. Now I put Mrs. Picard in there, I guess. <laughs> I like this new this new weird DC continuity. <laughs> well, they do emerge as as they escape. They emerge from a cave that you said looked very much like the Batman 66 Batcave. It totally looked like the Batman 66 Batcave. Like where you where you see the Batmobile driving out of and into. Like I I almost I I almost thought that was it. It could be. They could have shot at the same place for all mm -hmm. we know. I mean, they, they shot within, like, a 20-mile radius of Paramount Studios, so yep. they probably shot in the same places that a lot of places shot. Well, it certainly looks like they went back to Arena Rock again. Except it was, they were they were, they were were dark rocks this time. Mm -hmm. They weren't, like, brown rocks, they were black rocks. So there's that. Bad episode of Black Rock. I suppose. I don't know what that is. <laughs> yeah. Is that a thing? I, now I'm not sure. <laughs> All right. I might have just made it up. Well, that's fine. I can never tell anymore. I'd rather make up shows than watch this one anyway. Yeah. This one was just... Uh, this one is everything I don't like about season seven, honestly. Mm -hmm. It really, really is. You got... And not just season seven. This is everything I don't like in a bad next-gen episode. You got diplomats. You got bitchy diplomats. Oh, God. Trying to join the Federation, but being bitchy. Oh. You got... I talk about my uh, my other bad thing. You got... Well, hang, well, hang on. Let me, yeah. let, me, let me do this rant for a second. All right. You got rebels... They're not mullety, but you still got two factions, so that's that to me that's rebels. Yep. You got you got the authority and you got the authority fighting the authority. Yep. So it's got, basically it's boring politics about people we don't give a shit about. Right. And we have both said, I mean, we love DS9. Going into DS9, you'll see we love when Star Trek does political well. Yep. This is not it. Nope. When when the Cardassians cancel treaties and and sign non-aggression pacts with the Dominion and blah blah blah, that's cool. All over that shit. Yeah. Best stuff ever. Yeah. But this, eh, not so much. The, the politics in this were like if you took two pissed off eight-year-olds and got them into an argument. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to make, make friends with this one eight-year-old. The other eight-year-old's mad at me, so he's going to kick my shins repeatedly while I try to do that. Like, shut the fuck right. up. So you got, you got uh, diplomats. You got a rebellious element, however you want to define that. Yep. You got literally running around in caves. Yep. And you got a, a story, really, that effectively, once again, could be told with any two characters. Yeah. You could have psychically joined Riker and Troy and told basically the same story. Mm -hmm. You could have put Jordy's brain in Worf's body. <laughs> <laughs> We've switched minds for some reason. 
I think we've switched bodies. <laughs> Shut up, Dad. That's right. I'm <laughs> quoting a sketch that I wrote. What are you going to do about it? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. That's what. Yeah. But it's it's <sighs> manufacturing tension that doesn't matter, which is the, the relationship between these two people. Yep. That'll just go back exactly to the way it was next week. Yeah. And the thing is, like, they they know they don't have enough time to do anything yeah. with this. No. We're already almost halfway through season seven. Yeah. Like, that's it. We're, we're almost done. And just everything about this, it's boring. Like, there's absolutely nothing at stake. Mm -hmm. There's nothing offered about the characters. There's no interesting science fiction thing happening. Like, anything I like about Star Trek is, is long gone from this. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing. And I admit, okay, we usually watch these twice. I only watched this once, and you and I were talking a bit. Do you know why they were connected psychically? I have no idea why they was were there was there an in-story reason presented for that. If there was, um, it was just... mentioned once in dialogue and never mentioned again. Yeah, it was. They had like these weird plugs in the back of their necks. Right. No, when they woke up on the planet, they both were connected psychically through these devices. Mm -hmm. And there was probably a reason given because they they do they do write competent stories, like they do know how to write in a straight line. If something happens, they will tell you why it's happening. Mm -hmm. But. I didn't catch it, and it wasn't important enough to come up more than once. So it just overall, it was it just felt sloppy. It felt like one of those Braga things where like we want to connect these two characters, so let's just have them read each other's minds. Why not? Yeah, that'll be easy. And so you're in pe inside people's heads again, mm -hmm. and they're not at least they're not walking around corridors of the Enterprise that represent their thoughts. But well, I mean, why would barely. you do that three weeks in a row? <sighs> why, Matt? <laughs> because. Because fuck it. Because why not? Because it's season lazy, seven. We got like we, we got another show on the on the other side of the lot. Let's concentrate on that one yeah. since you can only make one good show at a time. Apparently, yeah. Fuck it. Yeah, just fuck it. And they even had one of those things that I really hate in Star Trek, which is when they just randomly give you an entry for the Star Trek chronology in the episode. Like they they just drop a really sloppy line of dialogue. Um, they're talking about this planet entering the Federation and the fact that. Only half of it's entering, like only one faction and not the other one. Mm -hmm. And Beverly says, so it would be like if when the Federation world government happened in 2150, blah, 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 blah. Like mm -hmm. it just feels like, hey, nerds, it happened in 2150. Write that in your copy books. Yeah, put that down. Yeah, I just I don't care. Ugh. It just it feels too. Um, all, all that said, my bad thing. This is the last appearance of the jacket. Yes. I'm sorry, Al. I love that jacket, man. Yep. It's the it's the gray uniform with the with the red jacket, which mm -hmm. actually looks more like the thriller jacket I think than that other guys, but mm -hmm. uh, you know. No, when we did, I don't know if I mentioned this when we did our uh we did a little cosplay thing at uh, Emerald City Comic Con this past year. I had the gray outfit. I couldn't afford the jacket. No. But the gray outfit itself, it just it looks good. It's a yeah. good it's, it's a, a good outfit. it's a good outfit. Yeah. I like it a lot. And mm -hmm. uh it, it it's different. It makes him look, you know, different. It sets him apart. It's like Kirk's uh, green thing with the open chest. It's a, it's it's similar to the uniform, but is different enough that it sets him apart from everyone else. Yeah. And I like it. And it's gone. And that it's cool looking and it's a nice change. Yep. Makes me sad that it's gone. Oh, I'm sorry. How about you? Bad thing? Uh, oh, we already talked about your bad thing. Yeah. My, my good thing. Yes. My, Why don't my you good... invent a good thing? Uh, there's a scene where Riker completely loses it on these annoying fucking diplomats exactly when I reached my complete most <laughs> fed up with it, yep. and I found it really satisfying. This is actually my quote, so we'll play this here. Uh, right. The matter of our missing officers. They are still charged with spying, Commander. I have heard nothing here which would alter that. Then maybe you should consider this. If anything happens to them, Starfleet is going to want a full investigation which means more starships will be coming to Kesprit, and those ships are going to want answers, which puts your country under a very large and very uncomfortable microscope. Remember how unhappy you were when we contacted just one of your people without authorization? Well, just think what it would be like. Ten starships asking questions, contacting hundreds of your people, massive sensor sweeps. They may even start sending down away teams, all because you wouldn't help me find my missing officers. Where he's just stuck in a room, he's trying to get his guys back, and he's finally like, you know what, fuck it, here. Just, like, just, yeah. we are talking about some really, really childish arguing. Yeah, eight-year-old was about right. It's like, 
Like, they call, they, Riker calls them at one point to be all like, okay, where are my guys? And they, they just hang up on him. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just infuriating. Yep. It's like, shut up! Yep. We're, I don't care about your stupid, bitchy problems anymore. But Fuck once you. Again, Fuck you. I'm going home. Once again, not exploring strange new worlds. Once again, doing diplomatic bullshit with cranky uh, bureaucrats. Yeah. Once again. Fucking the worst. Um, and that was that was about half the plot. Yeah, half the time we spent up on the ship. We doing spend that. so much time with these assholes. And the other half on the planet with uh, with Picard and Bever. Yep. And neither of those were interesting. Nope. At all. Not even a little bit. This was if I had not, if it had been my episode, I probably would have done another one, another Ad- Adventures of O'Brien and uh, no, no, Barkley in the basement. But I can't. You've you've blown that wad. I haven't used my bucket yet. No. I'm going to let myself use it once, and I haven't yet. And I know why, because I know what's coming. Are you saving it? Uh, Might be. Stay tuned, true believer. Ooh, that's interesting. (laughs) I will do it. If I do something like that, I'm going to do a variant of it. There's no way I could just do the same joke again. That that would be cool. Hey, Armus, you guys. (laughs) Uh, Uh, I miss Armus. Yeah, you do. That's how bad this episode was. I missed Armus. I miss you too, Al. <laughs> I Armus you, Armus. <laughs> I really just have that uh, that, that very uh, distinctly in my head now. Mm-hmm. I, Melty Guy, you know, Arm- New York, or whatever. <laughs> I, I, Melty Guy, the post-atomic horror. <laughs> um, overall, my biggest problem was the... The fact that, that we've, we we keep calling this out, but really they keep making us call this out, the fact that Gates McFadden is a lesser actor than everyone else in this ensemble. Yep. And it's so hard that Patrick Stewart has to do all, like, it's so hard to watch. He has to do all the heavy lifting. And she just sort of coasts along. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times when they're supposed to be feeling the same thing because they're connected, they're they're not. She's like, ah. And he's like, oh, I am hurt. Oh, I am stabbed, Horatio. She's uh, like, oh my foot. Uh, that's yeah. right. Whatever. You wanna you wanna maybe lift your end there, uh, Bever? No. All right. Why bother? I, we're only gonna be here for four more months. Uh, yeah, we're gonna be here for a lot longer than that. <laughs> I'm checking out. <laughs> Lucky Bever. I did have a good thing. All right. Tell me about and it. And that was there was there was a couple of uh, genuinely funny scenes mm. between the two of them when they're when they're connected. Yeah. Like, as much as the acting wasn't great and a lot of the, the emotional stuff was contrived, there's one in particular where he's like, come on, let's go this way. And she's like, you have no, way, no idea where you're going, do you? What? No, you just project confidence, but half the time you don't really know what you're doing. And it was a nice little moment of like, yeah, that's how leaders work. Yep. Sometimes it's just a commanding voice that you need more than, than the actual decision. Yeah, no. <laughs> that's one of the things I love about Picard. Yes. And you see, you, we've seen it time and again where he's stuck with a small group of people. We've got to get out of this room. We've got to get out of this situation. Where okay, first order of business. Like it's like him in the elevator with those kids. Yep. It's like him in that alien prison with the with the three other aliens that are being studied. Yep. Darmok. Yeah, Darmok, another one. Where it's just like no, he doesn't exactly know what to do, but he knows someone has to take control, and he's yeah. got a good he's got a good voice for it, if nothing else. All right, everyone, listen. Come on, to let's me. go this way. Doesn't my voice sound soothing to you? It's like sometimes I walk out into the living room and my dog's doing something bad, and it doesn't matter what I say to my dog; it matters what tone of voice I use. Yep. If I say "stop it," and you know, yipe, I'm sorry. Checkers, let's go to the fair. Yep. <laughs> It's 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 all psychological. It's all tone of voice. Yep. And Picard has that tone of voice where he can make every scared dog do whatever he wants. <laughs> <laughs> that's why uh, that's why Troy needed him along to to help with that wolf. Yep. Because he would have been like da 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 da. da. <laughs> all right. Enough silliness. After I do this. Okay. Anything else? Um. Oh. We also get the return of incredibly shitty ass uh, makeup in the. In the that was actually my original bad thing, and then I realized, nah, you already talked about it in the previous one. But yeah, more terrible, sloppy, lazy makeup. It's true, man. Just like bump, and we're that's, done. That's what Aliens. I was saying about about season seven in particular. It feels like all their makeup budget went to DS Nine because they have Quark's bar, they have all those really elaborate guys like Morn mm-hmm. and Vulva Head, and all those guys. And you want to make sure... I'll point out Volvahead when we get to him, but you, you might already know who he is. 
He looks like a uh, vulva head. Oh, sure, sure. Um, vulva head. But, the, you know, really elaborate, nicely sculpted, you know, guys that you can see eyes in. But alien, they almost a- look, like alien-looking aliens. Yeah, not just humans with bumps. Humans who fell in a pie. Right. <laughs> oh, I would much rather watch that. Yep. The humans um, who fell into a pie. I'm just going to close out with the... I I looked it up. This is the only explanation we get for why they're psychic. Uh-huh. They realize that the transceivers must have calibrated to their psi wave pattern. That's it. Okay. So. All right. So with that, <laughs> any final thoughts, Matt? God, no. <laughs> da, 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 I can da, hear da. your thoughts, Matt. <laughs> and your thoughts are going to... <laughs> Your thoughts are playing the music from uh, Peter and the Wolf. Actually, it's usually Take On Me. Yeah, Take Me On. I'll be gone. So next week. Right now, because the episode's over. Yes, not yet. Not yet. Now i got to tease next week and tell them how to reach us. Oh, yeah. Reach us at postatomichorror at Gmail. Go to our website, postatomichorror.com. Get our app. It is free at the App Store if you have iOS. Uh, Next week, we are doing Force of Nature and Inheritance. Mm -hmm. Force of Nature is another steaming pile of garbage. Inheritance could be one of two episodes that I'm thinking of, and either of them are terrible. So uh, we get, we got uh, we got some fun to look forward to. Oh boy! Uh, next week will be the I believe fourth week in a row we'll have no guest, and then yep. then we go into a bit of a of a, of a guest uh, period there. But uh, so if you enjoy the ones where it's just us, or if you're dying to hear someone else come and and break up the monotony, well, uh, either way, good times ahead for yeah, you. Yeah, you've got options. Yes, you do. Uh, sometime this month, we hope, fingers crossed, we will be hearing from the Rose City Comic Con as to whether or not we will have a panel there. Yes. And as soon as we know, you will know. And, Mm -hmm. uh, that is September, I want to say 25th. It's the last weekend in September in Portland, Oregon. It is a smaller, uh, uh, comic convention, but they're, they're just starting up. They're trying to get a little bigger. Even if we don't get a panel, we're, you know, again, fingers crossed. We do have a table there. Mm Mm-hmm. It's still a couple of months away, but uh, if you're if you're in Portland, if you're near Portland, if you can get to Portland, we'd love to see you there. Come come say hi. Yeah, and uh, come on we'll by. Talk to you. Yes, please do that. All right, Matt, say your thing. See you, folks. See you, folks. See you, folks. See you, folks. Folks, folks, folks. Fuck this episode. <laughs> The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2013. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.